Hello, friends, and welcome to the Wisdom for Life broadcast. This is Pastor Glenn with another episode that we hope will bless you. Let's turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Last week we talked about Gumby and how God wants you to be malleable and pliable, how God wants to, uh, to be able to shape your life, how God wants to do some things that uh, sometimes cause you a little bit of discomfort. If that message was, dis- was uncomforting, <laughs> this one's going to be a bad boy. You're going to be like, before Thanksgiving, dude? This one's all about stretching. And we're not just going to let God form us, we're going to let God stretch us, amen? amen. And uh, that was the problem that we see here in the church of Laodicea. They were too comfortable. They were in a comfort zone. We don't actually know that there is any specific sin that is going on in this church. Unlike in some of the other churches that are mentioned here, spread out across Asia Minor, you know, uh, Jesus, through John, is revealing that they have an issue or a sin. But when we get to Laodicea, we don't have anything specifically mentioned other than the fact that they're so blessed and they do nothing with it. That's what's going on. And I want to remind you this morning, you're so blessed. So, so do something with it. Revelation chapter 3. Let's look at verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This is a message from the one who is the Amen. So Jesus is revealing some titles here. First of all, he says he's the Amen. Then he says he's the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. We'll get to what that means in just a moment. Verse 15. I know all the things that you do that you're neither hot nor cold, I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm water, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I have everything I want. I don't need anything. And you don't realize that you're wretched, miserable, and poor, blind, and naked. That's heavy, man. That is heavy. I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by the fire. Then you will be rich. And also buy white garments... Another translation would say linens. That's important to this church as well. So that you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and by ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I am the one who corrects and disciplines everyone I love. So who does God love? The ones that he corrects. So so if you've got a, a concept of Christ that he is comfortable, you've got the wrong concept. The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Jesus is the confronter. That's a way, Homer. It says, everybody I love, I correct and discipline. Be diligent and turn from your indifference. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand this morning that God, you've called us to pick up our cross and follow you, not make a bed frame out of it. God, we are your people and we will be stretched so that we might be productive, God, so that our capacity might be increased, so that we might answer our callings, and so that, God, we might be with Christ. And, God, I want to be where you are, and that's not my comfort zone. And, God, I give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, now, come on, you're with me this morning. Because, you know, pastors don't like to get up and say tough stuff. We want to put a lot of sugar in the sweet tea, man. You know? But I'm here to tell you that 2020... That's next year. There's going to be some moments where we're going to be stretched. 
We're not going to play it safe. We've got to take some risk. That means we're going to have to step out and do some things a little bit differently. We want to see more people get saved. The goal for this year was 10. We got 13. Praise God. Still here. Hallelujah. We looked at our children's ministry. We said, you know, hey, we need to see at least 50. We're up to 75 now between youth and children. We want to look at 100 for the rest of the year. Amen. Come on. You're not going to be comfortable and move past that, though. What got you here won't get you there. You might be wondering why I'm wearing this scrunchie right now. It's not because I'm limp-wristed. Come on. I found this in the back. If it's yours, you can come get it at the end. But I want to talk about stretching today. I, I had a couple daughters growing up in my home. Had a wonderful wife growing up. I find these things everywhere. And they turn into awesome weapons. You know, you can shoot people with these. You can do all kinds of things with these. But listen, just like a rubber band, if you don't operate in some type of stretching, your faith won't hold anything together. It is in the tension, in the stretching, that the energy and the power of Christ is revealed. In other words, when you're stretched to your limit, you begin to see God's power. But it's got to be at the limit of yours. And if you're looking for God to call you to comfortable places, just know Christ isn't there. That's, that's heaven, not earth. So as we follow Christ, we must understand that our callings are in comfort zones. And if you want your capacity be, to be increased, then understand this. Capacity isn't reached in comfort zones. You'll never go to a good gym and it be comfortable. Quit that gym. The point is to stretch. The point is to increase capacity, not limit it. If you want to be with Christ, understand this. Everybody that followed Jesus gave up something. In the following of Jesus himself, Matthew, tax collector, left that money at the table. Peter had a business, a fishing business, left the boats, left the nets. We see the same thing. We see that all of the disciples left something, and then all the rest of the followers of Jesus left something. He even says later, and he says this in Matthew 9, 29, he says, and everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, or father, mother, wife, children, or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. I want to be where Christ is, but Christ isn't in my comfort. These are all the things that make me comfortable. See, my wife makes me comfortable. Hello? But when I hit the mission field, she may not go. I'll have to leave her. Now, that's not comfortable because I'll have to eat some chicken necks and chicken beaks and all that other stuff they feed you on the mission field. You know what I'm talking about? I want her cooking. That's not comfortable. But that's where Christ is. And this is the problem. We're in a, we're in a, um, we're in a culture that equivocates Christ with comfort, when the reality is, is it's uncomfortable serving Jesus. Are you really walking with him? Because if you are, you don't, you're going to experience some things that are uncomfortable. Now, when I was a kid, I got the whole idea of stretching right. 1976, a toy came out, made by Kenner. Stretch Armstrong, baby, come on. You could pull this guy four feet across. It was awesome. You know what else came out that year? Pong. You remember Pong? Come on, brother. You know Pong. 
was the first video game. We had that too. You know what else came out that year? Bionic Woman. I didn't need any Bionic Woman. Come on. That came out that year. I already had the Bionic Man. I had that doll. But what I wanted was this doll. And I got it. You guys know what was inside of him? You ever, you ever pop his head off and find out what's inside of him? You never done. Is, is there anybody in here that's any kind of weird like me? It was, oh really? It was, it was full of, it was full of Cairo syrup. They, they poured syrup inside of him. His body was stretching. It would mold back because it had all that syrup in there. And you do know the first, the first uh, ones that came out, actually, if you have one of these, by the way, hold on to it. If you got the box as well, because it's worth like $550 today. But they made the syrup, they colored it red, so it looked like he bled when he, you know. And then some parents complained and got upset, just like people do in church. They get all upset and they say, well, you know, maybe it shouldn't be red. So then they made it white and it would come out a little bit different. But I love Stretch Armstrong. You know what else came out that year? Shrinky Dinks. You know what I'm talking about, Shrinky Dinks? Shrinky Dinks is of the devil. You hearing me? You listen to your pastor. I didn't see anybody write that down. Why didn't you write that down? Shrinky Dinks is the devil. God, in his first command over mankind, was a blessing. And he said, be fruitful, productive, and multiply, increase. God doesn't want you to shrink and dink. Listen to me. God wants you to stretch. He wants to bring productivity out of your life. And he wants to, he wants to see you blessed. And you're not going to see that blessing in a comfortable place. You've got to be like stretch, not like dink. And there's a big difference between the two. And Laodicea got all wrapped up. This church got all wrapped up in all of the things that were going on in that city. Oh, it was so wealthy. It had all of these uh, wonderful things going on. And these people began to get real comfortable. And the idea here is, is God's not talking to the lost. God was speaking to the church. He was saying, you're blessed to be a blessing. I've given you, you these things so that you could have purpose in your life. Be fruitful. Multiply. There's a mandate there. It's not, a, it's not an either or. It calls for obedience. Stretching always calls for change. Your capacity doesn't increase unless you stretch. Your calling isn't answered unless you stretch. And you meet Christ outside of your comfort zone where you're stretched. God wants us to know that this is the place in the area where increase happens. I've got a job as a pastor, and it's a fine line. I've got to walk on this fine line. And some of you, you pastored before, you know the line I'm talking about. You see, on this line, there's a balance. On one end, I'm here to comfort those that are afflicted. And on the other end, I'm here to afflict those who are comfortable. It's a fine line. I can't let you get too comfortable. I can't come in here and just tell you jokes and, oh, how you doing, give you candy. Oh, he's nice. He's the candy man. He's the candy man. The candy man can. I can't come in here and do that all the time. We got souls to save. We got people to win. There is a real hell. And there are people in it. And we want them saved. And so there, we, we've got to be willing to stretch 
And sometimes that means be a little uncomfortable. Now, when, when Jesus is speaking to this church, we, we don't see anything like Pergamum or Thyatira or Sardis. There's actual sin mentioned. I'm not here this morning telling you you're a bunch of sinny sinners. I'm not here this morning saying that there's anything in your private life. There might be. But what I am here to tell you this morning is, is how can I help you increase your capacity in your calling? I want to see you shine for God. So I got to get up in your grill, grab your face mask a little bit, shake you up some, get you out on the field and play in a position and scoring some points. Because we got to have an end zone mentality. There's two minutes left on the clock. And that's where the game's won. And God just decided to birth you into this time, such a time as this, where the clock's at 11.58. Send them. And you were born for such a time as this, to score, to win. Come on, you watched that Buckeyes game yesterday? Next week's the big one. What's going to happen, Scott? What? Oh... Oh, how we love you, Scotty. Okay, brother. Okay. Oh, I know you will. I know you will. <laughs> this church was in love with their comfort. The, the question of what's going on here is they were, they were in love with the, the blessings that God had given him. And so they were, they were all about God's hand and not his face and his heart. They were, they were in love with all of the things that surrounded them. We'll get to a few of those things in just a minute. But it wasn't a question of, 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 of some type of, well, let's see if we can get the world out of them. It wasn't a question of trying to, by rules and legalism, get them to a place to where they would serve Christ the way that God called them to. It wasn't a question of, of, of rules it was a question of relationship because you're going to find in a moment god wasn't inside the house anymore he was outside the house knocking on the door and you've heard that preached evangelistically and i apologize for those sermons i do why do i apologize because this wasn't written to the lost this was written to the church what was jesus doing on the outside why was he banging on the door of the outside jesus wanted to be on the inside and he was left out. Why was he left out? It's a little uncomfortable being with Christ. Have you read any stories about him? Oh, 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 oh. He says to one group of people, he says, hey, guys, let me feed you. And they're like, oh, whoa, hey, food's good. Food fellowship, I like that. And then he says, hey, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you can't follow me. Well, we don't want anything to do with that. That sounds like something out of Walking Dead, man. What do you mean we got to do that? Oh, we know the Levitical laws. We can't, we can't, we can't touch blood. We can't, eat, can't consume blood. Jesus comes along and says, hey, if you don't, you don't have eternal life. And people go, that's really uncomfortable. We even look for churches and we say, you know what? Just, it, it's the story of Goldilocks and the three bears, you see? It, 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 this just occurred to me. Well, thank you for a revelation, Lord. Here we go. Goldilocks comes in and goes, well, that, seat, that seat's a little hard. You know, and then it comes over to the next seat and says, well, that one's a little bit. That's OK, I guess. And then comes over to the next seat and goes, that one's just right. 
Thanks, Papa. I'm just looking for just the, I'm just looking for just the right, you know. Ooh, that's just right. And then Goldilocks gets ate up by the bears. It ain't about comfort. You, you, you aren't here to be comfortable. Wake up. There's a real spiritual war, conflict going on. It ain't time to be comfortable. This is a battle. And so this church had got caught up on all these things. How do we get it out of them? Listen, I've been to so many churches where they say, don't be like the world, don't be like the culture around you. Yeah, that's true. But don't give me a bunch of rules. Give me a relationship. I want to be with Jesus and then therefore become like Jesus. And I know that it make me uncomfortable, but I'm fine with that. Can I tell you the story how it really works? Because it's right there in your Bible in the Old Testament. It's not like God got to the New Testament and says, well, I think I'll, I'll do it a different way. There's nothing new under the sun. God's got a plan, and he's been showing it all along. You remember in Exodus, God chose some people. Say chose. chose. Right in Exodus chapter 1, he says, hey, you're my people. And he came, and he says, you're mine. They didn't say they were his. He says, you're mine. Then through relationship, it comes to the next level. He says, I'm going to deliver you. Well, they didn't ask for that yet. They, were, they didn't want to be under bondage anymore. But they didn't know how they were going to get out of it. God says, I got that taken care of too. Then we get to Exodus chapter uh, 19. And he says, I'm going to make covenant with you. They didn't ask for covenant yet. Are you with me? Now watch this. Then we get to Exodus chapter 20. And then God says, now I've got some loss. You know what we do? We reverse the order. Somebody comes to church for the first time, we say, well, we got a lot of rules for you. Come on in. And then, and then someday we'll get you to relationship, and someday we'll get you to freedom. <laughs> it don't work that way. Let me tell you a story of a princess and a frog. You know this story? You know this story. So a princess, we'll just call her Sarah, because that's, that's what Sarah means, right? Little princess used to be put on her door. She still thinks she's a princess. <laughs> you are. <laughs> she, she is. Now, little princess sees the prince, the frog, right? That's me. I kind of look like a frog, don't I? So she come along. Ellen, you know I do. Don't, 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 Ellen. You know I look like a frog. So little princess comes along and sees the prince in me, sees the prince in me, and kisses the frog. And then what happens to the frog? Come on. Turns into a prince. Hallelujah. Every woman in this place knows how this works. You've been doing it your whole marriage. <laughs> Give me another kiss. Hopefully you'll change this time. Nope. How about one more? <laughs> God sees the royalty in you. And he comes along and he says, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that would call forth the praises of him who would call you out of darkness into his everlasting light. I'll give you a kiss of love through my son. You didn't choose him, he chose you. Amen. Then when he kissed you, your life began to change. And you became the person just by, his, by contact relationship with Jesus you began to change and it changed your heart from the inside out you began to be a different person and then God takes the rest of his 
time with you the rest of your life kissing the frog so he can get the swamp out of you. So it takes the rest of your life, but God's still working on it. Now, bear with me. But he doesn't want you to be in the swamp anymore. You've got to be willing to be stretched. So can you get out of the pond and into the palace? Let me tell you how that works. You're going to be uncomfortable. I haven't even, I haven't even, as a pastor, I've just been, you know what, everything I've been doing has been cake and ice cream. And God says, no, there's more for this church, for Finley, for you, for your family. And you, wow, it feel, I don't like this feeling. God says, okay, you're not, not, not going to fall apart. I'm increasing your capacity. I'm getting you to your calling. And you're meeting my son, Christ. And you're going to be okay. Just let that swamp come on out of you. You'll be all right. Can you say amen? See, they didn't want to. They didn't want to give up. They wanted to kiss the. They wanted to kiss the king, but they didn't want to give up the swamp. They didn't want to give it up. They liked what was around them. They were comfortable in the reputation. Laodicea was the chief city of the entire region. This was the uh, Lycra's Valley. There were three main cities there. Let's count them off here. We have Laodicea, we have Hierapolis, and we have Colossia. When we get the Colossians, they were all in the same area. They had great ag agriculture. They had these black sheep, ba-ba. They were able to, they had great textiles. They were able to take this sheep wool and they were able to, to, to bring it together so tightly that, that the, the covering would be waterproof. They made a salve there for people's eyes. You've heard this before. They ground it up from the minerals. It was able to heal people's eyes. They had a medical university there. This was a place where it had the first medical universities. These people, they had a banking guild there. All of the main crossroads for that entire region came through Laodicea. They had it all. And yet Jesus was outside the house. You know, here is one of the biggest, oldest lies of the devil. If you've got it all, then you must be with God. Sometimes the person that confronts you and makes you uncomfortable is the person sent by God. It isn't an indication that everything in your life is together. Listen, I know some very, very bad people that do bad things that the devil tries to give them all kinds of stuff. And it's a lie. And so they had all of this going on. And it was, it was blessed, man. It was good. It was awesome. They all had jobs. Hey, man, listen. I, lo I love being in Finley. Man, Finley's cool. You know why? Because there's... You, you, you don't have this job anymore. You can go get this job. And as soon as you don't have that job, well, there's three or four other people that'll pay you two, three thousand dollars to come do this job. I like that. But in the meantime, are you following Christ? In the meantime, have you made a difference at any of those places? In the meantime, are you doing what God had called you to do? Why do you think He brought you there in the first place? Pay bills? Yeah, that's it, Pastor. Pay bills. They had an entertainment amphitheater there seated 30,000 people there was a major earthquake that happened there in 60 AD Nero himself comes along and says we'll rebuild the city they thumb their noses at Nero 
and said, listen, we don't need your money. We got this. And they rebuilt it themselves. Now, maybe you understand why Jesus is saying all this stuff through John. You know, you say you're wretched, that you are in need of nothing. Call upon me and I'll give you fine linen. I will, I will heal your vision, your eyes. All of these things that Jesus is talking about is connecting with their culture of, of comfort. And he's saying, get that from me. Trust me. Place it in me. Not the things that you're placing it in. So what does Jesus do? He comes along and he says, I'm the amen. You know what that means. In Hebrew, it means imana. It means the faithful one. In Greek, we understand that it means fixed, certain, unchangeable. At the end, at the end of yourself, you reach the amen. And Jesus says, if you're stretched too far, don't worry about it. Because right when you're stretched too far, amen, I'm there. I'm unchangeable. I got it from there. Trust in me. He says, I'm the faithful and true witness. We know that witness, the Greek word here is martyrio. It means martyr. Jesus gave the word of God and then backed it up by being martyred for it. He says, I'm faithful, I'm true. You might look like in your life right now, everything is falling apart. Let me tell you something. God's bringing it all together. And he says, I'm faithful, I'm true. Everything I said is going to happen. And I gave my life to prove it. He says, I'm the ruler of all creation. You know why he's saying this to the Laodiceans. Because they're looking at the creation around them. They're saying, look at all these sheep. Look at his textiles. Look at all the, look at the roads. Look at all of the agriculture around us. We got the best food. We got the best dubs. We got the best clothes. We're rolling. Our cars pull up to the stoplight, and we got ground effects, and we got hydraulics. You don't know about that in Ohio. That's Chi-Town that's talk. You, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Sometimes I got to stop myself because I, you're a pastor, man. We got this. We got this, God. We got this. And God says, no, I'm the ruler of all creation. I got this. I'm the one that's got this. And so why doesn't God offer titles like, you know, Savior, Prince of Peace? Because he wants to contrast their culture of comfort with saying who he is rather than what they put their trust into. He goes a little bit farther and he says, hey, I know your deeds, that they're neither cold nor hot. He says, I wish you were either hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, listen, I know you've heard this preached a lot, but I'm going to go into some hermeneutics here. If you want to know what that is, please take Dr. Cooper's, Pastor Cooper's class on hermeneutics. You need to understand the background of the people that are hearing the message. These people are not hearing hot and cold and thinking that God has a preference in temperature. We've heard it preached before that we shouldn't be a cold church. That is not the intent of what's being written here. Some of you are already... You're getting Google eyes. You're like, you're picking up your phone. Oh, I'm going to find out. Stay with me. Stay with me. Heropolis, Colossia, and Laodicea each had water lines. You understand this, right? You know this, right? So Heropolis had a water line of hot springs. These hot springs were for healing. It was good water. It was soothing. How many of you got a hot tub? Ever had a hot tub? You, you don't know anything about hot tubs? Listen, I don't, buy, I, don't, I don't get to a hotel unless it's got a hot tub. I do the Glen Hammond's Hot Tub Club. Right? 
Hot tubs are awesome, man. You get in there and you just get all soothed. It's awesome, isn't it? That was Heropolis. All right? Colossia had cold water. Jesus wasn't saying, I'd rather you be cold and hate me. Jesus was saying, I'd rather you have some purpose with what I've given you. Ding dong. The cold water was good to drink. It was awesome. So what's he picking on here? I want to show you the, uh, the water line. And we've still got some, some pictures. You see, kind of see that, how they made this stone-like water line? This actually is a spot in front of Laodicea. They would bring into the Lycra Valley, they would bring this tepid water, and it would be filled with calcium carbonate. In other words, it was lukewarm water, but it was filled with a mineral that was great for the textiles they were using, but it wasn't good to drink. And, and actually, if you drank it, you'd throw up. And that's why Jesus says, your water makes me sick. It gives you money. I wonder if you're with me. But your attitude in your heart makes me sick. So this is what I'll spew you out of my mouth. It's not because he's saying, you know, I wish you'd hate me and be cold. God doesn't want anybody to hate him. Are you with me? Now listen, for the rest of this, come see me after service. Because if you disagree, that's fine. Just know. I'm right. I'm kidding. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you're like, no, you're not. Well, all right. So Jesus is saying, serve a purpose with what I've given you. Right, look, look over at Col Colossia. They've got cold water. It serves a purpose. You know, in Colossia, this church has cool water to drink. Jesus says, if anyone offers someone even, even a cup of water in my name, come on, church. Yeah. It's enough. I'm going to bless that. I'm going to use that. And look over here in Heropolis. They've got, this, they've got these warm springs. That brings healing. One brings refreshment and salvation. Another one brings healing. I can use that. But what you're doing is you're using the blessing I gave you so that you could have more comfortable lives rather than expending my kingdom or expanding my kingdom throughout the world. And he says, that's why I'm spewing you out. That's the deal, Shamil. And I want to stretch you. I want you to understand that I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to bless you and make you a blessing. All right, one more story, and then I'll begin to close. Is that okay? You're like, you're lying already. You're a pastor. Okay. Just to express what Christ is for. Because if we don't know why he came, we'll have trouble in coming to him. I want you to come to Christ the right way. You don't come to Christ and say, I've got all this with me, and it's coming with me to follow you. You're going to let go. And, he's, and so he confronts. And just to express how this, this works a little bit, in Mark chapter 1, verse 21, I'm just going to reference the story. You can come there if you want to. But in Mark 1, 21, Jesus is preaching to Capernaum. Say Capernaum. That's a compound word. Capernaum means this. Caper means village. Num means this. You ready? Comfort. Village of the comforted. What? Yeah. And he's preaching and everything's fine. Then a demon-possessed man comes out. And how many of you know you're uncomfortable now? <laughs> if you've ever been around that, you say, well, pastor, does that happen today? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Not everything's a demon, but they had one there that day. And so when he, when he comes to this village, he's preaching, a demon-possessed man comes out and says, hey, you're the son of God. You know the devil even tell the truth a little. Right? So he says, hey, this is the one, man, this is the one. And Jesus casts the devil out of this guy. How many of you know everybody's like, yeah, come on. Everybody's excited, right? Here's the problem. Nothing changes. Later on in this same comfortable village or village of consolation, we see in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, hey, there's certain cities that haven't changed since I've preached and done miracles there. And then in Matthew eleven twenty three, 23, let me read. And you, O village of the comforted, Capernaum, will be lifted up to the skies. No, you'll go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you have been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. They didn't change. They had the power of God, the miracles, and they stayed comfortable. They never repented. Jesus isn't in Capernaum to make him comfortable. He went there to set the captive free. That takes confrontation. Oh, pastor, please preach something else. I'm done already. I don't want to hear it anymore. 4 years, about 10 years, I had a glorified coat rack in my house called a treadmill. <laughs> my kids would play on it. They'd put the dog on there and then turn it on high speed. And, you know, <laughs> Chloe would be like, <laughs> and it just had all kinds of stuff all over it all the time. How many of you know that's not what that's for? That's not what Jesus is for. But I'm coming to Jesus. Why don't you make my life a little... I'm looking for an additive. I'm looking for a life improvement. I'm looking for an Advil. Will Jesus be my ibuprofen? He ain't, he ain't here to be you, make your, your comfy blanket. He's here to get you going. And he's given his spirit to comfort you. Isn't it cool that God does both? Yeah, yeah. Jesus came... To confront and then call and then in increase capacity. Yeah. How do you know that you're at the right church? Because every once in a while, you come in contact with Jesus and you're uncomfortable. And you get convicted. You remember that? Remember conviction? You go out there and say that word today and people go, what is that? What is that? What did you just say? What's your problem, Willis? Then at the end, just so you know, God does love you. Just so you know that Jesus does want to have a relationship with you. And it's not all work and no play. Then at the end, he says this to this church. Watch this. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him. Come on, I love him already. I love you, Jesus. Come on in, let's eat. Thanksgiving. How many of you are doing Thanksgiving already? You ready? Like you started yesterday. Just me? You had it already? Bless God. Hey, listen, I got my stretchy jeans on today. My wife bought me these. Hey, you know they make these now? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Every piece of the gene stretches. Thank God we live in such a time as this. If you're going to, it's the time. Get your stretchy pants out. It, right? <laughs> Show me that other picture, brother. <laughs> this is a well-known painting. This is Holman Hunt. And most people, when they've seen this painting, it's a very famous painting, Jesus knocking on the door. Most people, when they've seen this painting, said, you know what? There's something wrong with that painting. Maybe you can spot it. Oh, the light's inside. Where's the doorknob? Ooh, la la. It's not going to force you. He's not going to push his way in. You, you, he'll, he'll knock. He'll knock for a lifetime. You, 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 it's up to you to open the door. And that's what he wanted to convey. This isn't, this isn't written to the lost. This is written to the church. It's up to you to keep the door open. It's up to you and I to keep our hearts open. It's up to us to invite him in. You know, there, there are three words for meals in the Greek. And I love the word that Jesus chooses. The first one is araktisma. That's breakfast. Who cares? The next one is ariston. That's lunch. That was, that was had away from the home. You didn't come home from that. You always kind of carried a sack lunch to wherever you were working. Who cares? The one that Jesus uses for sup or dine is defnon. Woo, defnon. Defnon was the biggest meal of the day. Kind of like some of you do. Some of you got this like idea where you fast all day and eat a big meal at home at night. That's, that's, the, that's the idea. And Jesus says, I'm going to have the big meal with you if you just let me in. And here's how defnon used to work. You would have a big meal with your family and guess what would happen? You fall asleep. Glory be to God. Like you're going to do in just about a, two hours. You're going to have a big old meal and you're going to pass out. Then you're going to wake up in heaven. Right here on earth. And you'll be like, well, what's there to eat again? It'll be so glorious, right? Here's why they ate that meal that way. This is a meal where they had together as a family and there was relationship. And they ate it to prepare themselves for the work of the next. And we get fellowship backwards. We think we need fellowship so that we can do another fellowship. You bring the pot, I bring the luck. We'll have a potluck. We need to have this fellowship and then we'll have another fellowship to back up that fellowship. And then later on this year, guess what we're doing? Fellowship. And then in between... We just sleep. And that's not why. Jesus says, let me in. I'll have a big meal with you. We'll rest a little bit. And then we'll get to work. And then we'll get out there and make a difference. And we'll live our lives into the lost and lead them to Christ. And we'll get busy. Church, would you stand with me in prayer? Hallelujah. Today as we pray, I would ask you, I would challenge you as my deacon comes and prays and closes us today. What is your calling? It's not to come and hear me. What is your calling? Are you really at capacity? 
Do you, do you really think this building's big enough for what God wants to do? <laughs> hey, are you praying the kind of dangerous prayers that if God didn't intervene, we'd fail? When's the last time you did something for the first time? When's the last time you did anything by faith? You know, faith isn't what you can do. It's what God can do. These are the kind of prayers. Do you know your capacity? Do you know your calling? Do you know where Christ is? That's our prayer this morning. Father, again, we've heard your word. And Lord, I, I pray that you would just speak to us. You've spoken to us. Now let it settle into our hearts. Are we comfortable? Are we comfortable with this building? Are we comfortable in our lives? Lord, I know you've touched my heart. You've touched my life. And you're convicting me my comfort I just want to ask anyone that if you're feeling convicted if you're feeling uncomfortable and you want to come and pray the altars are open Lord that you would speak to us that we would not just sit back and go home and say yeah that was nice that we would take it into our heart. And let you really deal with us. Lord, stretch us to the point that we're uncomfortable. And that we go beyond what we can do individually and as a, and corporately. And that we cry out to you and, and want to have faith knowing that you are the one that does the work. That it's up to us to seek you, to love you. But that you are the answer for all of the world's concerns, problems. But help us to do our part. Help us to come to you, Lord, humbly and obediently. In Jesus' name, amen.
This is all.